welcome to episode 51 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that rolls with advantage, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott, and not only am I joined by the Esper Sentinel herself, Emma, but we've also got a very special guest this week, the Harvest Hand himself, Mr. Angelo Guerrera, aka the Jess Guy on Twitter. How are we doing today? Hey, uh, I'm doing pretty well, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm just getting over kind of a nasty head cold, uh, but I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, and this okay. past week, I've been picking up some Modern Horizons 2 cards for ADH, for my Innistrad cube, and I've been playing a lot of the uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and I'm doing my best nice. to keep my Paragon rank up so I don't make any of my NPCs sad. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very different sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was only saying a couple of weeks ago that I was trying very hard to do a Renegade run, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be like chaotic neutral kind of thing. It's going to be real fun. And so many of the options are like, would you like to commit genocide? And you're like, no, no, I just want to be kind of a jerk. Like, <laughs> so, so much to ask. <laughs> Emma, how about you? How are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Much better now I'm settled into the new place. I'm not living in boxes. I'm not shifting furniture. Nice. I can actually just live. And that's lovely. So, last week, in terms of content, I did a really short stream on opening some Modern Horizons 2 boosters that I got from yours truly and Wizards of the Coast. On the stream, I opened some really, really nice stuff. So, in particular, the retro foil Misty Rainforest, like the proper foil, not this half-assed etched nonsense that is floating around. Yeah. Um, and I opened a Raghavan as well, which was quite nice. I'm a sucker for like the retro frame, so I kind of hope Watsy keep doing it because you know apparently I was a paper boomer in my previous life. Um, and don't look at me like that, Angelo. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I've just been ramping up towards D and D: Adventure the Forgotten Realms because the previews are when this episode goes live, they'll be you know we'll be knee deep in it. Um, I do have yeah. a small polygon feature going up this week um, for miniature enthusiasts. So I wrote a little bit nice. about Age of Sigmar, which is one of the Games Workshop titles. And it's like Fantasy Warmer Hammer, essentially. And there's a new edition out, so I just go over the third edition, like what does it include, you know, the core rules and stuff like that. And so if you're into Age of Sigmar, yeah. check it out. It's, it seems a pretty sweet addition and update to the game. In terms of magic, similar to Angelo, I have been buying MH2 cards and updating my cube because there's just mm -hmm. some really, really cool cards to add into it. So I've expanded the cube to 450 now, so I've added about 20 new cards just mm. because I couldn't decide what to cut, so I just expanded it because that's the easiest way to do it, right? You can check the updated <laughs> list in the show notes if you're a patron, or you can check it out on my Twitter. I tend to post it quite regularly with like pack one, pick ones and stuff like that. And mm. lastly, um, I'm looking to fire up the stream this Sunday, so on the 4th of July, around 7 o'clock British time, 2pm Eastern, where I'm just going to re-sleeve my whole Sweet. cube, and I figured me streaming it is just going to make it more entertaining for me, because I'm not bored to death and it keeps me engaged, and <laughs> plus I get to talk about the cube and stuff, which people seem to be quite interested in. So make sure you're following my Twitch, which nice. is twitch.tv slash Emzyme, so you don't miss on me going live. And that's pretty much me. How about you, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. As for content, my next weekly article, as you're listening to this, will actually be up on Car Kingdom now. It's about all the top winners from Forgotten Realms. So I talk about the decks and strategies that stand to benefit the most from it, and even how the likes of players of D&D &D and the DMs can actually get the most out of this set too. So you can check that out on the Car Kingdom site there after the show. In terms of magic though, I haven't really done a whole lot. But I did manage to get my hand on some Flesh and Blood starter decks. Ooh. So, mm -hmm. it's a new enough card game. It's kind of like two heroes fighting to the death. They have equipment and weapons, kind of like an RPG. It's really sweet. It's very unusual, but it's a lot of fun. It's very hard to find here in Ireland. It took me a few weeks to get a hold of them, but it's very good. It's absolutely not going to replace magic for me, but, you know, it's a nice change of pace for when you're feeling a bit magicked out, you know. In terms of gaming, I completed Control this week. I finally got to the end. It was so good. Blue, blue white control, really, really Esper control. When what are we talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Control, the the supernatural adventure thriller kind of game. Mm. Really, really good. If you haven't tried it, I highly recommend checking it out. I've heard good things about it's it. It's really good. You, you got to experience it. You really do. But I'd mentioned a little while ago, I said this to yourself, Angelo, uh, but I also said it recently to Emma as well. I took a few years out of gaming ages ago, mm -hmm. and I missed a bunch of classic games during 
the last like 10-15 years or so. So I've been revisiting them over time. I've been sporadic and patchy with it, but I'm getting there. And proof of how sporadic and patchy it's been, I've only now gotten around to Portal 2. So yeah, it was it was way overdue, you know, especially considering I completed the original like six or seven years ago. But I can say Portal 2 definitely still holds up alongside newer game generations. Yeah. Like if that came out now with like a fresh lick of paint, it would still be amazing. So yeah, yeah. really, really good. It's an all-timer. 100%. Before we go into the meat and bones of the episode, actually, first of all, Angelo, do you want to give us a little rundown and a spiel of what it is you do and Mm. where we can find you? Yes. So I am a writer for EDHREC. My articles come out on Tuesdays. Uh, Make sure you go check out EDHREC, Commander's Herald, the EDH wiki for any any kind of content on EDH. Uh, We have... An expansive brand. We have a lot of really good articles from a lot of great authors. So make sure you go check out any of uh, our websites. And then also I am at the Jess Guy on Twitter, where I do pack one, pick ones of my Innistrad cube. I talk about, you know, any kind of magic things, Pokemon things, gaming things just in general. Uh, So if you want to come hang out and have a good time, uh, you can find me on there. Awesome stuff. And in addition to that, Angelo, I believe you brought with you a card of the week. Mm, Yes. Yes, I did. Um, So uh, the card of the week, and I've been picking these up, is Andu Inversion. That's from Zendikar Rising. It's a modal double face card with an eight mana board wipe on the front and a tap land on the back. And I've been picking all of those up and any sub $1 MDFCs. Just because they're so, so good in EDH that I just add them into the deck and they perform great. They're a land when I need it and a spell when I want it. So I, I can't sing their praises highly enough. Yeah, they're really, really good. Any any of them at all, yeah. you can get them at a good price. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We, we, we've seen uh, Balagid Recovery and Malakir Meyer go up in price. They're, you know, three to five bucks right now. And so any... Yeah. Any of the rare ones or any of, you know, the good ones, I would just snag as many as you can. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the meat and bones of the episode and, Angelo, why you're on the episode this week. Budget commander picks. Wait. it From Modern Horizons 2. It isn't because of my sultry voice or my good looks. I mean, you've definitely got a face for You're right on now. a podcast, so I don't know if you uh, could listen to <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yes, so so I'm here to talk about EDH, and um, I was going through all of the cards from Modern Horizons 2, and the cards right now for Modern Horizons 2 are a bit in flux. Uh, they've gone down, they've gone up, they've gone down, they're up again. Uh, they'll probably go down again, and so I'm not looking to do any, like, finance stuff, you know, go, go yeah. listen to Brainstorm Brewery and my boss... If you, want to, if you want that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I was looking for cards that I would pick up right now. That I'm okay spending a dollar or two on. And all the cards listed, except for a couple, are about $3 and under. And I would pick up one or two if I have the decks for them. As I'm going through, there weren't any mythics that are particularly desirable for EDH that are, you know, good budget-wise. Um, but the yeah. rares, I ended up with nine of them. And... It just so happened that all of them were good for different decks, and they, they were easily grouped together. Sweet. And so, you know, getting in, getting into the rares, the first kind of deck that I have is reanimator decks, or graveyard-based decks. Yes. And uh, the three cards for those I have listed are Unmarked Grave, Persist, and Dermotaxi. And the reason for all of these is is because they're basically budget versions of other cards that are probably about $10 and up. Uh, Unmarked Grave is a budget version of Entomb, uh, which I believe is about $20 right now. And so Unmarked Grave can just go get an on Legend and put it into your graveyard for two mana. It pairs really well with Buried Alive, so you still have two graveyard tutors. Persist is a... Well, Persist and Dermotaxi our budget replacements for Reanimate, which, while it just got printed in Jumpstart, it's still about $10. Yeah. Persistent Dermotaxi can just get a creature out of the yard for cheap 
and you know you can just go to town on your opponents and they're, they're not game breaking by any means but i would rather spend a dollar or two than 10 yeah even in the case of persist it's not even that it's just a budget version mm-hmm. of a reanimate spell it's a pretty decent reanimate spell that can go alongside all of the other good ones as well yeah yeah, I like that it has the non-legend clause. I mean, for modern specifically, but yeah. it gives it also a different kind of depth as well where you just can't shove the best legends into your deck, you know? Go go get something cool instead. Inkwell Leviathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are some really nice pickups for Reanimator. There was there was an awful lot for Reanimator here yeah. in Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, li- the limited Reanimator deck is really fun to play. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, my friend just 3-0'd FNM with Orzov Reanimator splashing a little bit of red for some discard and just trounced everyone. Nice. Breathless got, Knight, it's a real you card. The, you got the Black Archon as well, haven't you? Which is a good reanimator target. Yeah, if you open that in draft, you are lucky. Um, yeah, for sure. Next one up, Angelo, I can see the next that you have listed down in the show notes here, is Artifact Tokens. This is a bit of an unusual one and seems to have sort of shown up a bit more recently. Do you want to give us a, a rundown of, of that kind of style and the kind of cards that we can look to, to gain from Modern Horizons 2? Yeah, so Artifact Tokens is a bit of a newer kind of deck style. Um, we've always had the, like, Thopter token kind of deck, you know, with, with Brea or Psy. But what I'm referencing here specifically are the decks that want to make a lot of clues, a lot of treasure, and a lot of food. Mainly, this style of deck has been treasure-based, but with all of the food and clue support from Mon Horizons 2, and also Lanis in Simic Colors, uh, there are a lot of cards that can work with and also care about just artifact tokens, and they don't need to be creatures. So the cards I have listed here are Academy, Manufacture, Rise and Shine, and Nettle Cyst. So uh, Academy, Manufacture, it does what it says. It, whenever you make a clue, food, or treasure, you're going to make each of them instead. And so that is a huge boon to any of these decks. It just helps pile on the value. And then Rise and Shine and Nettle Cyst help give win conditions or beaters to those style decks because a lot of the times they can kind of sit there and spin their wheels if they don't have a game plan that can actually try and close out games. It's nice to get a lot of mana and draw some cards and gain life, but you still have to win the game. Rise and Shine makes all of your non-creature artifacts into 4-4 beaters, and that's really easy to just alpha strike the entire table and close out a game. And then Nettle Cyst is good to just suit up one big creature and just start bashing in. And if you put it on a flyer, I'm sure that you'll probably have Thopters in those decks. That can close out a game very quickly as well. 100%. Nettle Cyst is one of those cards that a commander deck is either going to want a Blackblade Reforged, a Nettle Cyst, or both. (laughs) Depending on what way it's built. It's one or the other or both. They're just so good, and they're so good to have as, like, you know, incidental win cons, where it's it's one card that's just going to provide a lot of pressure very quickly yep. that people can probably answer, but if they don't, they're in a lot of trouble. I love this idea. I, I kind of want to make a Lannis deck. Simic is really not my thing, but, like... <laughs> Lannis is have, fun. Um, Sounds we've good. got Brewery Clad as well. That's a cool... I know it's not, like, treasure and food, yeah. but that's a cool mm. tokens, like, artifact deck as well. And it's in your color, Scott. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Just play Brea, get all the colors. Well, uh. my, minus the bad, minus the bad color. <laughs> <laughs> so this next section of cards is one I'm quite excited about, considering I play a lot of Bogles and I played a little bit of this in Commander. Anyways, Enchantress. So yeah. So with the Enchantress stuff, there is a bit of a caveat, but also you can run Nettle Cyst in Enchantress too, and then you also have a Beater. So Nettle Cyst kind of straddles the line between those two. But for the cards for just Enchantress, um, I have Sithis, Harvest's Hand, Resurgent Belief, and Sanctum Weaver. Uh, The caveat with Enchantress is that usually this style of deck is a bit pricier. A lot of the cards are $5, $10, $20 even. So if you're playing that style of deck, you might not be worried about budget all that much. 
But mm. Sithis is about $4. Sanctum Weaver is about $5. So that's something to keep in mind. But getting all of these cards really helps your engine continue going. Sanctum Weaver is a great budget alternative to Sarah Sanctum. Who would have guessed? You know, a $5 card compared to, what, a $200 card at this point? Yeah. <laughs> great in any Enchantress deck. Sithis is just another great Enchantress that can either be your commander or just slot into any Enchantress deck you have going in as just another two-mana way to get your engine going. And Resurgent Belief, uh, I think, is one of the few of these suspend cards that you can just throw into the deck and not have to try and cheat it out. Because when you suspend a Resurgent Belief and everyone sees it, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, what's in your graveyard? How many enchantments are you going to get back? This and that. And if your graveyard's stocked, players are going to want to kill you. But they can't kill you if you have a ghostly prison, if you have a propaganda, if you have a sphere of safety. The enchantress archetype wants to be a bit pillow forty, And so you can take the time and suspend it and not have to worry about just getting blown out because your opponents are worried about you. So I would just pick them up when you can, if you have an Enchantress deck. They're very sweet. Can't complain here. Sounds wonderful. Sounds, sounds <laughs> like my kind of magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a Carador Enchantress deck, and it is an absolute blast. Nice. All right, so Reanimator, Artifact Tokens, and Enchantress, mm. all three of them getting some really, really nice budget pickups from this. You've actually, you come to the table with an awful lot here, Angelo. Um, <laughs> Always. <laughs> there, there's, there's like the same amount, again, um, that don't fit into larger categories like mm -hmm. this that can just be universally decent cards in the right deck. Mm -hmm. And they all happen to be uncommon. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Take us through a few of these. I'm sure we've, I can see one here, Tireless Provisioner. Mm -hmm. We've definitely talked about that before and sung its praises yep. quite, quite heavily because it's bananas. Yeah, they printed a better Lotus Cobra at Uncommon. Who would have thought that card would be good? But so, uh, Tireless Provisioner is just one I want to snap off. That's a great card. Goes in landfall decks, goes in any decks that wants artifact tokens, Lotus Cobra-like things. It's just a fantastic green card. Mm. Similarly, Timeless Witness is an Eternal Witness that isn't $5, that also doesn't have turf art, and you can yeah. get out of your graveyard, so it fit, it goes in any green deck, it goes in self-mill decks, it goes in everything. It's a fantastic card, and I can't see that not going up. Look at, again, the trajectory of Eternal Witness, and I think this will go similarly. Foundation Breaker is a great include along the lines of Reclamation Sage. Uh, it's either... Two mana disenchant or an elemental for four mana that also eats an artifact or enchantment. Terramorph is another what's another green card. Uh, yeah, another <laughs> green card. But what, <laughs> it is another explosive vegetation. Sorry, but the upside is all the lands that it gets come in untapped. And so if you have a land in hand, you play it on turn four, and you will untap, play another land, and you'll be at seven mana untap mana so you just jump from yeah. your turn five to turn seven have that untapped and you just pull ahead and that's something that i didn't consider when looking at the card initially but it's very good mm. finally done with the mono green cards uh <laughs> violin tumor is similar to unmarked grave where it's just another way to tutor something into your graveyard but this one's on a death touching body and a zombie, no less. Mm. So all of those things are very attractive for multiple decks. Yeah, big time. Yeah. We have Ravenous Squirrel, which, when you read the card, it does not say anything about squirrels on it. Just put it in your sacrifice decks. The card is great. It's so strong. It's so yeah. good. Well, one mana Just, as well. <laughs> yeah. Not. Like, wow. I didn't even no. clock that. But yeah, it's not. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not sorry. Um... <laughs> But just play Ravenous Squirrel. It goes in your counters decks. It goes in your sacrifice decks. It draws you cards. It gets bigger. It's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then the last card is Liquid Metal Torque. Two mana mana rocks are always at a premium in EDH. People love them. A two mana mana rock that can also turn things into artifacts are very good for decks like Duretti. Are good for other artifact decks that can either 
you know, pump your artifacts, sacrifice your artifacts, do something. It's just another tool for those kinds of decks, or a two-mana rock in any other deck. What I will say about Liquid Metal Torque, and it's something I didn't consider only until, I think it was about two days mm-hmm. ago, this should be a mana rock that goes into basically any mono-blue deck. And the reason for that is because you have access to stuff like Raven Form and Resculpt, yep. which lets you turn, say, Planeswalkers into artifacts, and then you can just exile them. Yep. It's so strong. It's very good. And you don't lose anything. You're going to be playing those cards anyway, so just adding in Torque. Yeah. Yeah. And then, finally, you have one, well, one common <laughs> w- with an asterisk beside it, because yep. it's not exactly just one common, but the Artifact Lands. Yeah. I think they're just good. Mm-hmm. A lot of decks will want them if you have artifact synergies, and most others won't, but they're just common duels. Those are always worth something. Uh, even gates that have been mm-hmm. reprinted into the ground, people are always like, <laughs> oh, here, I need gates for this, gates for that. Um, specifically with the artifact lands, I would look at, and I, I swear I'm not biased, the Jeskai colored ones, because quite often those are the ones that deal most with artifact synergies. So specifically the is it in the Boros one will probably you know have the most value over time, but also the green black one with Glissa, uh, that's a Golgari artifact deck that will probably want that. So there are homes probably for all of them because there are so many artifact synergies in the game. I would just pick them up. Because one day you might want one, and you have a stack of commons, and you just take it out of there. It doesn't cost you anything, and people are probably just going to leave them on tables after drafts. Just pick them up. Yeah, absolutely. One little thing that a lot of pauper decks are doing at the moment, and it might be something that would be interesting to adapt into certain commander decks, not all of them, but some, is that they are using the likes of Cleansing Wildfire, (laughs) <laughs> to target their own indestructible artifact lands in order to rampant growth themselves and draw a card for two mana. That's funny. It's not always going to come up and be relevant because you're only going to have a couple of artifact lands in any given deck. Mm. But Cleansing Wildfire can still be used as non-basic hate to get rid of a maze of it or something, the cantrips and, yeah. and that kind of thing as well. So hmm. it's a handy little package and might be worth considering in some decks. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, Jeskai control deck that was running... Cleansing Wildfire with Flagstones. That way you were... Yeah, Yeah, that was really fun. And then you've mentioned a couple of reprints Mm -hmm. here. Tell us about these. So there are some reprints that are garbage for the format. Like, don't even look at them. You know, upheaval specifically. But just Mm -hmm. aren't very good or don't impact anything. And then there are fantastic reprints. Two that I have here with an asterisk are Cabal Coffers and Fetches. If you want Cabal Coffers, if you want Fetches, they are low. They're going to retain value uh, unless, you know, they reprint either of them into the ground, which I don't see happening. They're valuable cards. Watsy wants them to stay that way. If you want to play with them, if you need them, just pick them up. They won't go down by a whole lot if they get reprinted again. Just get them. But there are other cards, too, like Imperial Recruiter, which... Mm. Prior to its reprint in Masters 25, was obscene. Post-reprint in 25, it was hanging out around $30. Imperial Recruiter is down to $10 now. If you have any deck with Imperial Recruiter, a Blink deck, any Boros deck, any Mono Red deck that could use it, just pick it up. It's $10. Mm -hmm. Grab it if you need it. Um, Morari's Wake was sitting at about $20, even though it was reprinted a couple times. It's down to about $8 the Modern Horizons 2 version is. If you're an Enchantress deck, if you're any green-white deck, it's 8 bucks. Go pick it up. Yep. Sterling Grove, again, Enchantress deck, $17, down to like 3 or 5 Same song and dance. Pick it up if you need it. <laughs> um, Enchantress's presence is down to 2 It was 10 after the Enchantment deck reprint in, I think it was 2018. Patriarch's bidding was between 20 and 30 Regular versions, because there's a million of them now, regular versions are down to, I think, like 250 And then Vindicate uh, was anywhere between, I think, like 5 to $7, somewhere around there. It's just a good card. I think that's down to like 2 now. So I, I know Orzov has a lot of good removal, 
But if you want a Vindicate, if you've always wanted one, just grab it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's pretty much it for the full list of the best budget picks for Modern Horizons 2. Angela, there's an awful lot here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would I be right in saying that Modern Horizons 2 is one of the best sets for picking up some budget picks? Because we've had you on for budget picks before, mm-hmm. and we got a lot then, but like, I think this is the most we've ever gotten. So, there are a lot. I, I, I'm a bit hesitant to say ever. Uh, I, I don't do well with <laughs> committing to, to big statements like that, but... I can say it's up there. There are a lot of really good cards, and I think what's super interesting to mention here specifically, because I know we went through new cards and reprints and things, but a lot of the the value, or at the very least, the cards to look at, are uncommon. There are so mm. there's so much value at the uncommon level where you're happy just picking these up in drafts at you know draft tables after people you know just leave a pile of cards there and or you can grab like like i said timeless witness is like 50 cents 75 cents whereas eternal witness is five bucks just grab them like and there's so many cards like that where it's just a boon to get not only redundancy but cheap budget wise redundancy so that's awesome yeah like I, I would say it's probably some of the most value filled uncommon cards for the format in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those sets where normally if someone said I want to buy a bunch of packs to crack them and get some singles or whatever, I'd be like, Don't. Just buy singles. Yep. It's kind of reaching the sort of the horizon point, I suppose, for Boo. Boo. <laughs> 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 I and that was a joke that I didn't even <laughs> until I said it. Now we're, now we're two for two yeah. on that one. Okay. Uh, I need to get mine but in. It, it's kind of reaching a point with these packs that there's so much just incidental random value in the common and uncommon slots that buying a pack for fun is more justified now in this set mm-hmm. than probably any other set. I know that you're yeah. not one for hyperbole on this, Angela, <laughs> but it, it it really is. You know, it, it kind of felt similar with Time Spiral Remastered. You nearly always get something cool out of the commons or a common slot. But here, you're probably going to get two or three cards that you're going to hold on to yeah. out of every single pack. And that's not including the rare slots. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah it's really good. It's re- yeah, especially when you can open, I think, what, like two or three rares a pack on mm. top of... Yeah. The uncommons, like don't get me wrong, I'm not happy to buy ten dollar packs. Like I'm, <laughs> I don't want that. But it seems like there is an effort to at least put a lot of value in the uncommon slot, which is all I ever ask for. Absolutely, yep. Angelo, thank you once again for coming along and imparting your wisdom yeah. upon <laughs> us for for some. There's just some great pickups here. Some really really good pickups here. Like. I have I have decks that you know want some reanimator things, but I wouldn't have thought of Dermo Taxi, even though on preview season I was like, oh, that's cool. I completely forgot about it because everybody's too busy talking about Ragavan or like food decks and all this kinds of stuff. Like some of these are really good picks. I I, I was happy that uh, this list was shorter than the Strixhaven episode because <laughs> there were a, a lot of cards in that one. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for for letting me talk about budget things uh edh of course anytime all right so we've gotten to that point in the episode where we've talked about the meat and bones now we're on to dessert (laughs) in the form of q a yum wait emma i don't want to eat bones we eat dessert no we're not i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a bone to pick with you there's mine got him that was deliberately (coughs) so it doesn't count oh ours was ours was accidental ah all right Anyway, it's Q&A time. Um, we've got a buck ton of questions this week, so thank you to everyone that's you know, sent in questions. means a lot. Um, but there's a lot to get through, yeah. so I guess I better get started. Um, <laughs> so on the BMCast Discord, uh, that diff asks, what do you feel is the most underrated modern deck and the most overrated modern deck? Oh, I'll start, I suppose. Um, Mill is probably the most underrated because it's actually a good deck, the thing with it though is that people still think it's a meme it's kind of like the opposite of jund in a way people were like oh jund is the best and eventually it became a meme it's basically the opposite with mill like it's gotten so many new toys in the last few months it got one or two things from modern horizons 2 zendikar rising had the eight crab 
variant started showing up. It's just, it attacks in such a unique angle. It's real good. Uh, overrated Stoneblade decks, just in general. Yeah. Like, the Jeskai one is pretty good, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on the Stoneblade being overrated. Um, my underrated deck is Mono White Hammer, because that deck is really mm. good, it's really cheap, and it can just kill out of nowhere, and everyone's dirtling around trying out new MH2 cards, and you can just kill them on, like, turn three. It's, just it's the better way to run Stoneforge, I think, yes. yeah. How about you, Angelo? Uh, my underrated deck uh, is Enchantress, uh, at least until people start mm. playing Tempest mm. of Light and Back to Nature. But uh, I think it can attack the... For- well, it can pillow fort the format at a very interesting <laughs> angle, but then also cast Emrakul, which is mm. really Emrakul. But for overrated decks, I think Ulgari Food is super overrated right now. Really? Like, yeah, mm. I know Urza Saga is, like, all that in a bag of chips, uh, and we'll probably get banned, but I don't think Golgari Food's doing a whole lot right now. Like, you slam a Karn the Great creator, and you're just like, oh, well, cool, I guess I'll die now. Um, <laughs> and d- despite all the hate, I think Tron is still good. I think you're going to need to prep for Karns. I agree, Angelo. As a Tron player, I have to agree with you. <laughs> As someone who hates playing against Tron, I have to say, everybody else that's in my shoes as well, pack your Tron hate. <laughs> it will be back. Yep. It's like a bad itch. It never goes away. Sad reaction. Karn the bad itch. That sounds like a really bad on card. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a question from Kilgore Trout 503 who asked on the BMCast Discord as well. Do you buy staples when they're cheap, even if you don't have a deck for them right now? I'm debating on whether to finish all my Modern Horizons 2 Fetchlands playset. Ooh, that's a gargantuan undertaking. Uh, generally speaking, yes. If they're cheaper staples, like, you know, some Uncommons or the odd rare and stuff, yes, absolutely. More expensive ones, I tend to plan for them. Like, I planned to get my Scalding Turns from in Modern Horizons 2. And I also happened to have enough left over from trading a couple of cards and, and planning and stuff that I was able to get two Misties as well. So I'm happy with my blue fetches now. But that took a couple of months of planning ahead. But yeah, generally generally speaking, anytime I can, I will. Yeah, Yeah, I think I'm similar. Um, what I tend to do when I see like a complete set that's previewed and is in circulation and stuff, I tend to think about the cards that have the most overlap with other decks because that means I'm getting mm. the mo- more usage out of them. So it's it's worth investing in them. So stuff like fetch lands for me is quite a high priority because they always go in mm. modern decks, right? And especially if they're enemy fetches, they're going to go up at some point because we've seen it numerous times before. Um, so yeah, I would be intre- I think my priority would be to finish the the fetch lands, um, get the sets yeah. of those, and then you can forget about it. Then I look at stuff like uncommon, so stuff like a dragon's race channeler is a fantastic example. I think that card's gonna be quite expensive yeah. at some point. It's gonna be like the monastery swiss beer sort of price level, and then stuff like prismatic endings also great. Like that card's like seen a lot of play in modern. I think that's quite a good one as well. And yeah, that that's where I would mm. go. I think. How about you, Angela? Yeah, at least in terms of fetches. Um, they are probably around their cheapest that they're going to be for quite some time and they're not going to lose value Mm. and even if they do lose value they're going to go back up two days later like we saw with every other reprint of them so fetches Mm. specifically grab them and don't even worry about it if you can afford them of course as for other things at least from the lens of EDH if there's a cool green card in the new set, I pick it up. If there's a cool red card, like uh, from Kaldheim, the Goldspan Dragon, didn't have a deck for it, I picked it up anyway because it's just, it's one of those cards where if you know the format and you look and you say, well, Goldspan Dragon's a $20 card, it's a dragon and has artifact synergies, two of the most popular things in the format, it's probably not going to go down sub-15. I'm just going to pick it up at 20 I would do that if you plan on eventually wanting to play with that card. I wouldn't worry too much otherwise. Mm. Then we have a question from Dalek Kosh, also on the BMCast uh, Discord. With Universes Beyond and the D&D set introducing non-MTG characters into ma- in MTG, what's a character from any IP that you'd want to be your commander in your favourite colour identity? Okay, so we were talking about this before the episode started, <laughs> before we hit record. I had a, a lot of trouble with this. I was you sitting here for while. like 20 minutes being like, I can't think. It was rough. 
the main thing was because of the way Dalakash had worded it, it was what's a character from any IP you'd want in, to be your commander in your favourite colour identity. I could think of loads that I wanted that were Dizzet. Like, I want Hornet from Hollow Knight, for example. I would love that as a commander. But they're definitely not Izzet. So it took me a long time. It did a bit of think tanking. And I have settled on Papyrus from Undertale. I feel like they're Izzet. They love puzzles. They're very passionate. They're, their heart's in the right place, but they're not always doing things the, the right way necessarily. But uh, yeah, I would 100% kill to have a Papyrus commander deck. Nice. I need to play Undertale on a side note because I have no clue yes. what you just said. <laughs> I'm going to cheat and stay on brand and mention The Simpsons. So there's probably going to be like a Simpsons secret layer at some point. Like, come on. Um, so I would love Ralph Wiggum in Selesnya Colours. I think Ralph is well-intended, naive, but well-intended, which is very Selesnya. It's like, does the best, but doesn't quite get there, you know, because that's just how Selesnya decks just often play. Um, and then you've got like Marge, who would be a good one as well, just as like a mono-white commander, because, you know, Marge also has good intentions, always wants to do the best for people. So that would be mine, I think. Uh, for me, I would want nothing more than a Full Metal Alchemist crossover with magic. Oh. And I think Edward Elric would be my ideal Jeskai commander. You, nice. <laughs> you have some artifact synergies, wink. Uh, he, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's his heart's always in the right place. Yeah, he's a, a, a bit self-centered and self-driven, but that's a lot more red and white in, in his instance. Because as soon as, you know, he finds out certain things, he's like, no, I can't do this. I have my morals. Uh, you know, he's science and logic and all of these things first and foremost. And it, I think, is just a good culmination of those three colors. Good pick. Nice. Um, so Barbarian's Riddle on Twitter, they have a two-parter question. So we'll do the first part. What mm -hmm. non-Simpsons characters do you each identify <laughs> with? This is carefully yeah. worded. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going with Zeldinkt from uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Nice. Because uh, a friend of mine, James, had pointed this out. We were talking about Final Fantasy VIII. It was around the time the remaster came out. And I was like, oh, I really, I really sort of vibe with Laguna, you know? And he was like, nah, mate, you're not Laguna. You're Zell. Like, you just want to get on a hoverboard, get all them hot dogs and, like, feel strongly about things and be energetic. And punch stuff. And yeah i realized that yeah zell's actually real cool and i definitely identify <laughs> a lot with him so yeah yeah that's me um for me it's probably arbed from community purely on the basis cool. of arbed throws a lot of pop culture references into everyday life as a way to associate with what's going around him and that is something i do quite a lot um and i didn't realize this until i started watching community i'm like holy crap like there is a character that does similar to me so yeah I, I would vibe more with Arbed I think and just do silly silly pop culture stuff just to you know cool. get in touch with you know what's going on how about you Angelo uh, I identify a whole heck of a lot with Tenzin from the Legend of Korra the nice. the lawful good old man crotchety a little crotchety but you know oh, heart's always in the right place wants to do things by the book wants to be neat and tidy and organized and as structured as possible for the good of everyone nice <laughs> and the second part to that question is with commander cards like Kess and Chainer being put directly into modern would you be opposed to see new commander cards being made for modern legal on first printing in example like in a commander precom like ethereal forger type cards so i'm unsure on this i'm i'm sure some of them would be fine and interesting and possibly fantastic but it would mean that they would definitely have to rein back the power level and stop using certain mechanics for those cards in the pre-cons and stuff which would significantly reduce the overall quality of the new commander products for the sake of introducing a few new things to modern I don't think it will be worth it, personally. I think it could make it interesting, but it, it kind of depends on the kind of cards, I guess. I'm I'm definitely up for seeing how it goes, and, like, what's the worst that can happen? You ban them sort of thing, but, you know, it kind of depends. Like, depends if you want, you know, like, conspiracy monarch cards as well. Does it count towards that as well? I'd be interested to see how it goes, personally. As for me, no, stop that. 
<laughs> no, I we before recording, I was going through and I'm like, oh, Toxic Deluge would be cute. And everyone's like, wait, no, what about Death Shadow? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's absurd. And then Emma was like, oh, the Monarch cards. I'm like, no, Monarch is terrible in one-on-one format. Don't do that. And as I'm going through and thinking about all these things, I'm like, we have Modern Horizons. Leave these things in Legacy and Commander and keep them out of Modern. I'm putting my foot down. And rant. <laughs> so we have a, a question from Bo Schwartz on the Discord. Uh, they ask, if you could bring back any mechanic that was only used once for a future set, what would, it, what would you bring back and why? So... There are surprisingly few mechanics that have only been used once that aren't god-awful, <laughs> for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why they're only used once, for the most part. Um, they're either recent and haven't had a chance to be reused, or they're terrible. And for that reason is why I'm picking the party mechanic, because it could have been so much more in constructive formats than just what they did in Zedekar Rising. Like, there's so many different ways that you could play with that mechanic. Mm-hmm. It really promotes diversity of creatures and strategy. Like you can't just throw like all wizards into a deck and have a tribal. It's kind of like diverse tribal kind of thing. Mm. It's really cool. It encourages different build styles and play styles and stuff. I really like it. I think for me, this is going to be a slightly controversial one, but Adventure from Throne of Eldraine. I really, really like the design of Adventure. Like you can cast a spell and then you can cast a creature later on. That idea is great because it just, it means you, it gives you something always to do with your cards, right? It's very similar to like Kicker in a sense. Um, it gets a bad rep because obviously we have stuff like Bone Crusher Giant and Brazen Borrow, which are quite good and have warped the format to an extent, especially in Standard. Um, I do think there is a opportunity to bring it back and I'm very disappointed that it's not in the Avengers Forgotten Realms that's coming up the D&D set because I think that would be a good opportunity mm. to reintroduce it. With that, you've got stuff like Giant Killer, like Beanstalk Giant's a really good one, um, like Rimrock Knight, like these are really fun adventure cards that don't seem too busted but just offer a nice flavour. Um, so that would be my one, I think. Uh, I have two and apparently I hate creatures because <laughs> one is a merge. And the other is Mutate. Um, I just really like the idea of, you know, either a chest burster kind of creature giving me value and doing, you know, crazy tentacle Eldrazi things or just Mutate from Akoria. And I know that that is a rules headache and a half, but <laughs> I have, I've had no bigger thrill than Ikoria Limited, where I just have a stack of seven creatures on one. I'm like, here, deal with me. You can't. <laughs> and I just want more of that. It's pretty sweet. That's a good pick. And then Dolphy Carroll asks, what's a card or archetype that you want so badly to be a thing but doesn't quite have enough support yet? And this can be in any format. <sighs> Is it Phoenix and Modern? <laughs> I'm shocked Next to question. hear this. <laughs> Next question. Scott, what um, card do you think would uh, help oh, that kind of kind of uh, strategy out? I don't know. It, like, it'd have to be reasonably cheap, probably about one mana. <laughs> um, make it a sorcery, not an instant, because I don't want to be too powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, probably something along the lines of, like, maybe discarding two cards after you've drawn two. Ooh. Okay. Um, Wait, I've got it. Yeah, give it flashback that, that's well. a, no, that No, flashback, hold on. Yes. Yeah, whoa, 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 hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on board until the flashback thing. Hold, hold on. on. You, you love you, Innistrad. You'd love what it, though. You you, you've got an Innistrad cube, right? You'd love that. That's in your cube, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. You sounds, love Sounds perfectly fine to me. Um, yeah. My answer would be uh, the Ragdoll Skelemental deck that came out in Modern Horizons 1, which also used the card mm. that we vaguely explained that may or may not be banned in Modern. Um... I really just like the idea of the deck and it's just like a little skeleton that just decks people, you know, in the face and then discards cards. It was just a really fun design, which um, incidentally got hated out thanks to, you know, banning of the card we shall not name. Yeah. Uh, as for me, to no surprise to anyone, uh, Jeskai Artifacts in EDH. There's a couple interesting ways that you can use partner commanders to kind of do something, but I... Mm kind of just want some kind of artifact synergy uh, in Dreskai Colors because, you know, I don't want to play Brea. So okay. I'm, I'm looking for something fun there. We can use more uh, exploration in, in those colors. Yep, so Snapbolt Boral on Twitter asks, uh, what's everyone's favorite cube except for our own ones um, on the cast? So I'm going to leave this question to the two of you because I don't really play cube myself. 
Boo. Judge me all you will. Already okay, judging. I will. Um, so I quite like vintage Cube on Modo. I tend to associate it with like the Christmas time. That's how I know Christmas is coming because vintage Cube's on Modo and that's all I tend to play. Um, I'm also a big fan of Autumn Bichette's Bank Cube as well, which is just all bank cards. There's some really cool synergies. You have like aggro, you have like blink. And I really like those kind of cubes that have a restriction in place. Um, so hence why I have a peasant cube. Um, but just having a colour restriction is just really, really fun. And there's a lot you can do with it. So I'm tempted to do one, one myself at one point. Uh, yeah, as for me, uh, I really like the Arena Cube. I like how they update it. It can be a little swingy at times, but uh, I think it's pretty well fleshed out. And having the restriction of only cards on Arena is really mm. interesting. Um, uh, shout out to Ellie of the Veil's Teamer Cube, too, because that one was a blast. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, actually. You could just pretty much force Storm, because apparently yep. Green makes Storm really good as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we have a tweet uh, from Evie the Mage. It's not a question, it's just more of a heads up. Um, so they say, so I'm out of the wilderness this week. Uh, so I don't know what's a good deal. However, if you're into cascading stuff, which is very popular in modern at the moment, old border blood braid elves are very, very cheap. And they're talking about the time shifted old border from Time Spire Remastered. So if you want a cascading style, mm. they're nice and cheap. Mm. Style's nice. debatable. We've got Sid Sorry on the BMCast Discord asking, what is your favourite budget replacement cards right so we were chatting about this again before the episode and realized that we have a lot like an awful lot of these and could very easily flesh out an entire episode so we'll probably do that then yeah. um, won't be able to give an exact time as to when we'll do it like it could be in a couple of weeks time might be in a month or two but yeah we'll probably turn that into a full episode by itself mm. so keep an ear out all right, and we've got a selection of questions from the Joe Cheney who are on Twitter. So this is going to be a round robin. So I'll start. Um, oh, so quick fire kind of job. Yeah, yeah. quick fire round. Um, so favorite master set, magic set. Uh, uh the one that gave us um, Augur of Bolus and Burning Tree Emissary in Popper was that. Um, that was Master Seventeen. That was the latest. That was the latest modern master set, on, I believe. Um, Angela. That one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, double masters. Nice. Mine is also Double Masters for value, and then Modern Masters 13 for limited, because that set was really, really fun to draft. Um, Favourite ice cream? Scott? Uh, either Ben & Jerry's Fish Food, or uh, in Ireland we have Magnum ice creams. I don't think they're in America, but they're basically like on a stick, covered in chocolate, and then there's almond in the chocolate. It's really good. So, Angelo? Chocolate peanut butter swirl! Nice. Mine is pistachio because I love pistachios. Um, oh, yeah. Least favourite colour combo in Magic, Scott? Selesnia. Two worst colours. How dare you. Angelo? <laughs> uh, Selesnia or Naya? Worst colour combo. Also, combination. also, terrible. Mine is Gruel, <laughs> so we're kind of on the, the Naya sort of wedge here. The, the green hate in general, I'm okay with this. Um, Scott, do you enjoy the Volhos Magic Law? Uh, yeah, but like, it's so much to take on. Like, for people that have been around for years, like, you know, I, jo I joined Magic when I was eight. It's like, that that's good for you. Like, you pick up a bit of info every couple of months. That's fine. For me, I joined when I was, like, freaking 28 or something. And I'm like, uh, what is all this? So, yes, but it's real tricky to keep a track of. So, Angela. Yeah. Yes, I love it. I'm caught up. I'm ready to go constantly. I love the story. I'm the, I'm the opposite. I don't really keep up with it. A similar reason for Scott. I came in a bit too late, and it's just like I kind of just want to play with the cards. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's about the story for me. Um, and last one, Scott. What are your favourite horror movies? Sorry, everybody. Horror genre is just not good, in my opinion. It's not. Uh, the first Saw movie, however, was an absolute classic. It was really, really good. I wouldn't even class it as horror necessarily, but very, very good. Uh, everything else is just absolutely not my thing. Angelo. Uh, I am a baby. Horror is spoopy. Uh, it scares me, uh, but I like Saw. <laughs> um, I am also the same. I am terrible with horror movies, so I don't watch them. And fun fact, I'm very easily startled with jump scares, so I just don't watch them, ever. Really? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it for this episode. It was a jam-packed one. An awful lot going on there. Angelo, thank you once again. And if you would like to let everyone else at home info and details on where to find you, what you do, what your favorite ice cream is. No, wait, we already did that one. 
on it. All Chocolate right. peanut butter swirl. Please send it to me at... Just kidding. I'm not going to dox myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm a writer for EDH Rec. Uh, make sure you go check out EDH Rec, Commander's Herald, the EDH Wiki. Come follow me at The Dress Guy for magic and Twitter-related shenanigans. Uh, come stop by the BMcast Discord to come hang out with us. Woo! You can find yes. me there. Uh, and that's that. Uh, also, EDH Rec Cast Discord. Also, find me there. Sign up. Do that. And come hang out. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, super appreciate it. It's been great. And I will see both of you later. But everyone else, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you want to get access to anything that we talked about on the show or our show notes, they are available over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the cheering fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout, 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more Bang for your book.